Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right, let's just jump in now. Awaken. Awaken. Why are we talking about awaken? What, what, what does this mean? You know, at the beginning of the year, actually before the beginning of the year, at the end of 2021, uh, myself, the other pastor, uh, the pastoral team, the other pastors on staff, we were really seeking God and, and asking, Lord, what is it that you have for Life Church in 2022? Because we, we're coming through a crazy time uh, as a nation, as a world, with, with COVID and, and so, much, so much division in our culture, so much division politically, and, and there's so much happening. What is it that you want to do through this house in 2022? And there was a word that we feel like God just dropped in our heart that was going to be the emphasis for this year, and it's the word awaken. And at the beginning of this year, when we did our 21 days of prayer and fasting in January, our whole prayer agenda, that whole prayer effort during those 21 days was focused on this, the awakening that people would have, awakening to the full life that God has for them. Fathers, an awakening for you to understand that you're the priest of your home and the responsibility that comes with that. Mothers, an awakening for you to be prayer warriors over your family, guarding the spiritual health of your family. This awakening to happen all through our church. This is, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about an awakening is that we don't want to be spiritually unaware. I don't want to go through life spiritually unaware of what God is calling me to do. Spiritually unaware of the, of the full benefits that come with living the life that he has for me. The, the full power that comes with living the life that God has for me. Jesus said he came so that we could have life, but not just ordinary life. You see, Jesus didn't come just to set us back to zero. He said, I have come that they may have abundant life. And I don't want to be unaware of those things. I don't want to be spiritually dead to those things. I don't want to be asleep when God is calling me to wake up and step into the full life that he has for me. And that's why this should matter to you as well, because God is calling you to live that life. The best life you could ever live is not the life that you plan and dream up on your own. And you might have some great plans. And you might have some big dreams. But if you don't allow yourself to be aligned with the God that gave you life, with the God that created you, if you're not aligned with his purpose and the plan that he has for your life, those dreams and those plans that you make for yourself are never going to give you what you truly need, and that's fulfillment. Fulfillment, knowing that you have lived a life that's made a difference in the world around you. And that's what God wants to do through you. He's called us to live a life full of purpose, full of adventure. Don't you know this life God has for us is not boring? It's not mundane. And if you've grown up in church and your idea of Christianity is that it's boring and dull, you're still asleep. You're not awake. It's a life full of peace, joy, and love, the best life you could ever live. And it's not just about making a temporary difference. 
See, there's a lot of initiatives in the world today to go out and make a difference. I'm thankful that we get to be part of those things like feeding people that are hungry, clothing people that are in need, taking care of those that are going through a tough time. But can I tell you, church, church of the living God, that if we do not do our part to not just meet those needs, but to make an eternal difference, then we're really not doing what God has called us to do. If we're not going to those dark places and bringing the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those dark places as we're meeting the physical needs, then we've missed the calling. We're here not just to make a temporary difference, but an eternal difference in the lives of the people around us. And that's why God is calling to us, awaken. Awaken, Life Church. Awaken, because now's the time. Because Houston needs the gospel. Because Friendswood needs the gospel. Because League City needs the gospel. Because in the Philippines, at Ima's home and in that community, those people need the gospel. And in order for that to happen the way God wants it to happen, you and I need to be awake. We need to be awake. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 says it like this. Awake, O sleeper. You know, scholars have studied this this quote. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and and they've studied this quote, this scripture he's quoting. You can look back in the Old Testament and in Jeremiah and Isaiah, and you can see different scriptures that that Paul is is pulling from. But there are some scholars that say this, this quote here that the Apostle Paul is writing actually was an early church hymn. It was an early church song that that early church, those first believers, that they would join together and they would sing together and they would say, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine on you. I want to live that kind of life. Friends, would I want to live the kind of life where Christ is shining on me? Where, where I am reflecting the light of Christ into the world. Can I tell you that without Christ, I'm not a great guy. Without Christ, I'm actually a pretty messed up guy. Without Christ, I am a selfish man. I am a prideful man. I am an angry man. I am a cynical man. I'm talking about me. These are not general, broad statements that we're, we can all be self... No, I'm telling you, without Christ, what my life looked like before Christ is I was full of pride, and I was selfish, and I was angry. The Bo Kilgore, without Christ, wound up in handcuffs a few times. The Bo Kilgore, without Christ, wound up in the hospital after making some stupid decisions. I need Christ. I don't want Bo Kilgore shining to the world. I want Christ. I want Christ to shine on me and transform me so I can reflect him to the world. Without Christ, I will spiral. I will wind up in a low place. Without Christ, I wind up dead in my sins. And I I wind up asleep. And I miss out on the life that God has for me. And many of you know my story, you know my testimony, you know that life that I lived that led me to that low place where I was far away from God, and then God arrested me. God arrested me. 
As I laid in my bed hungover, the smell of booze still on my breath, I didn't have it all together. I wasn't wearing a suit and tie, couldn't even get out of my bed because I thought I was going to throw up. And God showed up and arrested me. And that was an awakening moment. He stirred me awake and he set me on a journey. And I'm still going on that journey. It's a journey to live the life that he has for me. I don't know where I would be if God had not arrested me, but I know that it would be nowhere good. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he found me at my lowest point and that he started me on this process. Can I tell you it's a process? It's a process. That's why we say here at Life Church that we're all on a journey. I don't care how old you are or how long you have been in church. You might have been faithful churchgoer for 60 years. Guess what? God has more for you. God has a next step for you. You are not done on this journey with Christ. I want to show you in Scripture what this process looks like before we jump into the Scripture in Acts 12. Just to give you some context, this is the early stages of the church. This is early on in church history. Uh, so, some scholars speculate that when we get to Acts chapter 12, this is just about 10 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, and the church is still so small compared to the other religions around them. The church is still so small. It was so small, it was considered a cult. And, and outsiders didn't really know what to call it, and, and a term was being used to, for people that identified with, with Christ and followed Christ, and it was called the way. The way. I think that's awesome. I, think, I, I would love to go witness to people and say, this is the way. This is the way. The way. This is where we're going to pick up in Acts 12. Peter, the apostle Peter, the brash, bold disciple that followed Jesus during his ministry, that cut ears off of people, the guy that, that Jesus at one time said, get behind me, Satan. This, this bold apostle Peter, we find him in prison. Acts 12, verse 6, it says, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he's going to a trial, and most likely he knows when I get to that trial, they're going to sentence me to death because I'm I'm the leader of the way. I'm following this group of people. And so he knows the next day he's going to trial and he's probably going to be put to death. And it says that he was asleep. And he was fashioned, fastened with two chains. He was bound. He was in bondage. He was a prisoner going to a trial. He was locked up with chains, headed to a trial that would be his death. And not only was he in chains, but beside him were two soldiers. And not only were there two soldiers beside him, and not only was he locked in chains, but he was so deep within the prison that there were guard posts all around him, and there was a, there was a gate that led to the city with guards surrounding him. And people that have studied how this would be laid out in that day say there was probably about 16 soldiers just making sure that Peter stayed prisoner. Verse 7, as Peter was sitting in that cell deep within the prison, bound with chains, asleep, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him and said, get up, quick. 
The angel was there and he said, I'm here to awaken you, Peter. I'm here to find you in your lowest point. I'm here to come to you in your bondage and I'm here to awaken you. So quick, get up. And when the angel of the Lord spoke, Peter's chains fell off. The chains fell off his wrists. Doesn't say there's anything Peter did. Peter didn't do anything in the moment. But when the angel of the Lord spoke and awakened him, those chains fell off. Verse 8, the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Angel's not in a rush. Put your sandals on. Come on, get up. You ever try to wake your kids up in the morning? They're so tired. Like, come on, like four or five times. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Because you slept in too. Now you're rushing your kids, trying to get them out the door. Yeah, I know how it is. Get dressed, put on your sandals. Peter did. Angel said, wait, don't forget your cloak. Yeah, put your coat on, Peter. And then when Peter was up, when he was dressed, he said, follow me. Follow me. So Peter left the cell. He followed the angel. All the time that he was following the angel, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize that it was actually happening. You see, Peter was awake. He wasn't fully awake. You ever been there? There have been times where my daughter, Scarlett, my oldest daughter, she doesn't do this anymore, but growing up when she was three, four, five, where she would get scared, she'd holler from her room, Daddy! Man, I'd fly out of that bed. I'd throw the covers off the bed and I'd be running and I'd get to a room before I'm, I don't even know what's going on. It took me a while to wake up. There's a process, you know, when you wake up, you're a little bit groggy. When you first wake up, if it's a sudden, if you're waking up suddenly and you're not really sure, you don't have your bearings, it takes you a little while to become fully awake, right? This is what was happening to Peter. He's, he's in a cell one moment, bound, and then the next, he's freed and he's following this angel, but he's not even sure what's really happening. Verse 10, it says that they passed the first and second guard posts and they came to an iron gate that led to the city. The gate opened by itself. Again, Peter's not, he doesn't even know what's happening. They passed through, they started walking down the street. And suddenly the angel left. Then Peter came to his senses. And then Peter was fully awakened and he said, it really is true. The Lord has sent his angel that saved me from Herod and the Jewish leaders, the enemy that was planning to kill me, the trial that they had set for me where they were going to put me to death. Peter can look back now and he said, it really is true. Look what God did. I I didn't know what was happening in the moment. I didn't really understand what was happening in the moment, but I'm so glad that I followed that angel because now I can look back and say, look what God has done for me. He has rescued me from my enemies. This is the kind of awakening that we need. Listen, the world wants you to be woke. God wants you to be awakened. The world wants you to be woke, and with that comes a lot of anger and division and fighting, and God is calling for you to awaken so that you can fulfill his purpose on the earth. But you see, Peter, friends would, Peter was not fully awake until he went through a process. Houston, Peter was not fully awake until he went through a process. See, his chains had fallen off. He he was being led past some dangerous situations. He was still surrounded by his enemies, not really sure what was going on. 
But it was through that whole process he got to the other side, he was awakened. Peter wasn't fully aware of what God was doing in the moment until he was out in the city. Because it was in the city is where God needed him to be. You see, God had a plan for Peter's life, just like he has for you and I. God had a plan, and God's plan was not for Peter to be bound in a prison cell. God's plan was not for Peter to try to find his own way out of the prison. God called Peter, stirred him awake, freed him from his chains, led him past all of those enemies until Peter was out in the city where God needed him to be so that he could make a difference. We found Peter there asleep in bondage. And again, not sure what's going on. This looks like you and I a lot. I know we're reading a story. This is a story that happened to Peter, but it mirrors what you and I can go through in a spiritual sense. It mirrors what you and I can go through in a spiritual sense because how many times, and I'm talking to myself, I'm not pointing fingers, this is me. I grew up in church. I grew up in Holy Ghost Church. I grew up in church where there are moments of great awakening happening in people's lives with the power of the Holy Spirit. But how many times do people have an encounter with God and they hear him call, awaken and follow me, but they just stay in the cell? How many times has God showed up in people's lives and they've had an encounter with him and they've had a moment where they they feel the chains fall off They just decide to stay where they're at. You see, God is trying to lead them out. God God wants to lead them out to the city. God wants to lead them out through the iron gate. God knows that there's a couple more guard posts and about 14 other enemies, 14 other soldiers that they're going to have to navigate by. But some people are just content staying in the cell. See, Peter didn't wait around to see what was going to happen when those guards woke up. Spiritually, how many of us, when we have an encounter with God, we're content to stay there, and when the guards wake up, we're back in chains? How many of us ourselves, when we have an encounter with God, how many of us have just sat back down and slapped the chains back on ourselves? Thank you, God, for the opportunity, but I'm really comfortable staying here in my sin. I'm really comfortable staying here in in my addiction. I'm really comfortable staying here in my relationship. I'm really comfortable keeping these habits, these secrets that nobody knows about. I'm really comfortable continuing to watch this thing that nobody knows about. So I'm just gonna go ahead and put these bad boys back on, Jesus. Thanks for the opportunity, but I'm gonna stay right here. You are awaiting a trial. You are awaiting a trial. How many, how many of us have been content at times to just do the bare minimum? Yeah, I'll come to church on Sunday. Yeah, I'll come to church every other Sunday. I'll come to church once a month. You know what? I'm done with church. I'm just going to shop around online. I'm just going to wait till I find the one that that says the things I like. I'm not going to be connected to a body of believers. I'm not going to be connected to a local church. How many are content with just doing the bare minimum? Like I said, I've been there. I've been a bare minimum believer before. Can I tell you that's not what Christ calls us to? 
And nowhere in scripture do we see that those, that bare minimum mentality, we actually see the opposite, that that bare minimum mentality causes people to stand before Jesus and he says, I, who are you? I, did, I didn't even know you. But Jesus, I, I did this and I did that and I looked the part and I acted the part, but I didn't know you. I was calling for you to follow me, but you stayed where you were at. I'm not comfortable to be in a routine anymore. I'm not comfortable just to look the part and act the part. I don't want to fake it. I want to follow God and the life that he has for me. Amen. And I think this is why sometimes people will attend church for years and they'll wonder why their marriage continues to suffer. They'll attend church for years and they'll even experience the presence of God, but they're still depressed and they're still anxious and they're still afraid and they still wonder why aren't things getting better and they'll look to their left and look to their right and they'll see people who are, who are advancing and growing and, and, and they're leaving behind certain, they're leaving behind chains. People that they know, maybe you've looked and you've seen, I know that they're struggling with the same things as me, but why is it that they're further ahead than I am? It's because there's a process. It's because you're not fully awake. Let me tell you this. Every aspect of your life where you are lacking, if your marriage is hurting, if your finances are hurting, if your relationships are hurting, if your mental health is hurting, Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer for whatever you are lacking. And that's not to say that sometimes we don't need help along the way and we shouldn't seek professional help and we shouldn't seek counsel from our pastors and our leaders, but Christ is the answer for your problems. This is why at Life Church that we lead everyone on a journey to being fully awake. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. We want people to discover the life that he has for them so that together we can make a difference so that you can go out into the city and make a difference. That's why it's important for you to join a life group. You can do it today. Like the announcement video said, go to life.cc slash life groups and join a group. What's the point of that? For you to get the right friends in your life. Some, somebody in here is caught in the same problems just because you haven't changed your friend circle. Because you're still hanging out with the same knuckleheads you've always hung out with that we're going to pull you into this and pull you into this bad situation, pull you into this place you shouldn't go, get you involved with things you shouldn't be involved with, and you're wondering, why am I always battling these things? You need to look around at who's your circle. And, And if your circle, if they're not going the same direction as you, you need to find a new circle. That's why you need to join a life group. It's important for you to be part of a local church, and it doesn't even have to be this local church. But it's important for you to find a body of believers where you can find your place in the body of Christ. Because until you do that, you're not going to discover the life that he has for you. Listen, we are the body of Christ. This is what God's plan is. We are in the kingdom of heaven advancing that kingdom together. You cannot do this alone. And so this process of an awakening happening. That's what this whole series is about. We're going through the whole month of August talking about an awakening, and we're talking about what the process of that looks like. And last week, we started with what is the first step for everyone, and that's repentance. Repentance. If you missed last week, I encourage you, not because I preached it, but go back and listen to it, because that's the beginning. That's the beginning for everyone, is living a life of repentance. Repentance. 
You can go on YouTube, go to our website, life.cc. That's the easiest way to find it. Sorry, y'all. Been fighting a sickness and I'm just feeling a little, y'all, y'all, somebody needs to start interceding for me right here. I'm feeling a little weak. <clears throat> Let me get some water real quick. All right. The first step is repentance. And it's not just a first step for believers. It's not just a first step for people that are new to church. It's a lifestyle for all of us. A repentant heart. A lifestyle of constantly asking God, search me, Lord, just search me, show me. Show me how I'm not honoring you with my life. Show me the ways of my life that grieve you and lead me to your way. I want to leave these things behind. That's what repentance is. I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back and preach the first message, but listen, repentance is how you stay awake. Repentance is how you keep from dozing off again, constantly living a life of repentance where you are surrendering your will to Christ, where you're saying, I know I want to do it this way, and I know I feel like I, I need to do it this way, but ultimately you are my king, so I'm going to die to myself I'm going to put my own desires to death. I'm going to follow you, my king. That's what repentance is. It's a surrender. Listen, we are saved by the grace of God. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. We're saved by the grace of God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. But something you need to understand, some of the complexities of scriptures, when you look at the original language and the original Greek, everywhere in the New Testament where this word that was translated into faith In the original meaning, it could translate to faith and faithfulness. You see, what the Bible is saying and what that means for you and I is that faith doesn't simply mean belief. Because I can have an intellectual belief about Christ, and if I don't understand that the Bible is also saying that there's a level of faithfulness that comes with that. Thank you, man. There's a level of faithfulness that comes with, with that faith That's what repentance is. The faithfulness is saying, I believe, therefore I will follow. That's why the apostle James says in James chapter two, verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. What James is saying, if your faith is just belief and it's not faithfulness in the Lord, then you don't really have faith. This is is James speaking to those bare minimum believers. Lord, I prayed that prayer one time. Lord, I was baptized when I was a baby, so I'm, I'm good, right? I, I, I did the bare minimum. James is saying, listen, if you don't have faithfulness with your faith, then that's, your faith is dead. And I want to clarify something. I'm not saying your works save you. There's nothing you can do to earn. There's nothing we can do to earn. Jesus did everything for us. But placing our faith in him means not only do we believe, we're going to follow him. Faith is repentance in action. Repentance is faith in action. And that's why I said last week that if we will change our minds, if you will change your mind, God will do the hard part for you. He'll change your heart. If you will change your mind and and you'll, you'll, you'll turn from your sin and you'll repent, God will do the hard part and he'll change your heart. Because you know, self-discipline is great. 
But your self-discipline, your own boundaries that you put on yourself is not going to do anything about those fleshly, sinful desires that you have. It's not going to do anything for those wandering thoughts you're never going to be able to control on your own. We need God to transform our hearts. And in order for God to change your heart, you have to constantly surrender control to him. You have to remove the barriers that happens through repentance. Acts 2, 38 through 41, Peter replied, repent. This is the first message to the church on the day of Pentecost. The power of the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all people. And Peter, Peter that denied Christ three times just a few weeks before this, he's standing before people and they're asking, what are we supposed to do? They're having the conviction that they've just crucified their Messiah, their Savior. Peter, what should we do? Repent. Turn from your ways and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Turn from your ways and follow Jesus. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Die to yourself and take on Christ. What should we do? Repent and take on Christ and be baptized he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God would call. Thank you, Peter, for saying all those who are far off, because guess what? That's you and me. If you think this is not for you, if you think it's not for you, right here in the very first message that the Holy Spirit is empowering the apostle Peter to say that would be recorded in scripture, God wanted you to know it's for you and it's for me. It's not just for that day. And so with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourselves. Don't think like the world. Don't talk like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't believe what the world is saying to you about your identity or about what is acceptable, what is an accept. Don't get your marching orders from the world, but save yourselves from this corrupt generation and believe in Christ and repent and be baptized and you too shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people added to the church that day. It's a process, awakening. It's a process. You see, up to this point, before the day of Pentecost, this kind of power was unavailable to people. Up to this point, this kind of power was not poured out among people. Power of the Holy Spirit had not been available. The power, the power that transforms people had not been poured out yet. The power to transform your heart had not been available yet until the day of Pentecost, until Jesus sent the promise of the Father. You know, the Bible says that it's Jesus that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, John, the, John chapter 1, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. He says, the one, the one that I'm going to, God is talking to him, he says, the one that you see the Spirit rest on, that's the one that's going to baptize with fire, with the Holy Spirit. So, so when people are filled with the Spirit, that's Christ. That's Christ. Sending the Holy Spirit to fill people. And it's not optional for us. It's not optional for us. A lot of people get nervous about this. A lot of people shy away from this. And I understand. You, you, you spend enough time on YouTube, you're going to see some crazy videos. I'll, I'll say, pe people haven't always represented 
this the right way, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this, the Holy Spirit is not going to cause you to lose bodily function, okay? Our God is a God of order and structure and peace and love, and he's not going to cause chaos. Now, we can get carried away in our emotions and everything, but this is not optional for you and I. And it's not something you should be afraid of. And let me tell you why it's not optional. Because God does not intend for us to just come halfway. God does not intend for us just to get to that first guard post and just stop. In order to fulfill the purpose that God has for you, in order to live the life that God has for you, you need the power. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to be full of the Holy Spirit. If you want to go old school, we can start saying Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. If you're going to be fully awake, you must be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to show you two things. I know I've already been going 35 minutes, my goodness. I'm going to show you two things in Scripture to help you understand the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because you need to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. You need to be aware of it, and you need to be in tune with it. So that you can identify the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. So you can start to identify when he convicts you. Jesus also says in the Gospel of John that, that it's through the Holy Spirit that he speaks to us. That the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to us what Jesus is speaking to us. Those convictions, those impressions... Those feelings you might get of, I need to do this, I need to do that. That's Jesus speaking to us. And this is the first thing I want to tell you about the Holy Spirit is that it transforms our hearts to be like Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit in your life is to transform your heart. This is the hard part that we can't do. To take our hearts of stone, our sinful hearts that are rebellious and make them tender. Tender to God's word. Tender to his voice, willing and eager to follow him. God wants to change our hearts. We see it all through scripture, starting in Psalm 37. Take delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Does it feel like a drudgery for you sometimes? Like a duty? Like, man, I got to follow these rules. I can't go out to the club anymore. I can't surf the internet late at night. I can't watch these shows on Netflix anymore. I'm just not going to go to church. Delight in the Lord. Delight in his ways because that's the way to everlasting life. That's the way to live the best life you could ever live. And in the process of those moments where it's like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this, God will transform your hearts to have the attitude of, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe I get to live this life. I can't believe God would actually want to live in me and use me. Delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. That doesn't mean he's a genie granting you your wishes. It means he's going to change the desires of your heart. It means you're no longer going to desire to do those Stupid things you used to do that were harmful for you. Maybe it was fun in the moment, but God will change your desires. This is what God wants. He wants to change your hearts. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 through 27. I will give you a new heart. Listen, this is God speaking 
This is Old Testament. This is God speaking before Christ was in ministry, before the Holy Spirit would pour it out. God is expressing his desire. I don't want to just have the law. I want to change people's hearts. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I'm going to take out your stony, stubborn heart. I'm going to give you a tender and responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you. Come on, let's read this again. Uh, This is God speaking hundreds of years before Pentecost. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Now, that's not a threat. That's not some kind of intimidation. God is saying, I'm going to change your heart, and I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you will walk in my way, so it will be something that you delight in, so that obeying my regulations is not something that's a burden to you, but it's coming from the inner parts of your heart. This is what God wants. And it's a daily, constant work of the Holy Spirit in us to transform our hearts. That's why lifestyle of repentance is so important. Because if we will listen, and we will obey, and we will follow through that process, God transforms our hearts. The Holy Spirit makes us like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. I don't have time to go into it, but Paul is talking about the law and how those who lived under the law, they were still, it was still a veil. They couldn't, they followed the law, but they couldn't really see. They couldn't really see what it was all about. They would get caught up in their legalism and and, and self-righteousness. They couldn't really see, but now, now because of Christ, the veil is removed And we can see and reflect his glory. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like who? Does he make us better versions of ourselves? He makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his image. That's why you have to be aware of conviction of sin. The conviction you have of sin, what conviction is, is just knowing in the moment that what you're doing or what you're involved in grieves God. That conviction is coming from the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus speaking. Hey, follow me. Follow me. Don't don't go down that path. See, I'm going this way. Thank God that Peter, when he was going through those guard posts, didn't decide just to go his own way. The angel's walking forward, but Peter says, I think I know a better way. Or you know what, I'm just going to peek around here. I'm going to see what this is all about real quick, and then I'll come back and I'll follow the angel once I'm, once I'm done. Once I'm done with my little side mission, I'm going to pause the journey, God. Hey, angel, time out. I just want to go see what this is all about real quick. No, conviction says, follow me. Follow me. Don't get caught up in that. You see, the Holy Spirit speaks to us convictions, impressions, sometimes interruptions in a moment, sometimes with dreams. Sometimes with visions, don't go down that way. Don't follow that person. Don't do those things. And the more that you respond and the more you're in tune with that, the more you respond and obey and follow, you know what's happening in that process? As you make up your mind, God is changing your heart. Where the next time you come to that temptation, you say, oh, I've already already dealt with this. I'm not going to fall for that. I'm not going to fall for that again. I don't even, that, that, that actually, that disgusts me now. I can't believe I ever had anything to do with that. That's because God has changed your heart. 
The second thing that the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit does is it gives us power to do the work of Jesus. Oh, man, this is the part here. You're talking about all that speaking in tongues thing and, and prophesying and signs and miracles and wonders and healings. Yeah, I am. See, the Holy Spirit wants to transform your heart so that you look like Jesus, so that you act like Jesus, so that you will talk like Jesus, so that you can represent Jesus. But you see, Jesus had power. Jesus ministered to people with power. And he told you and I, he told his followers in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what purpose? So that you can go out and be my witnesses. You see, you can't be my witnesses until you, you have my power. And your good morals actually are not enough. And your scripture memorization is actually not enough. And your five-point lesson plan that you've built to teach people the Bible and show them why they're going to hell is not enough. See, you need my power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's their city. And in Judea and Samaria. That's their country. And to the ends of the earth. He's telling his followers, you're going to go to all the corners of the world and be my witnesses. But first, you have to have my power. In order to do what Jesus has called us to do, we have to have. This is why it's not optional. This is why it's not optional. Because we can be freed from our chains. We can be, what if Peter would have just been freed from his chains and, he, and he's escaped the trial and he's escaped death, but now he has to just hide in the prison the rest of his life, just skirting around the guards and hiding. No, no, God had a process for him. God had a journey for him. God has a journey for you and I to get all the way to the other side of the gate in the city where he can use us, where we are fully awake Starts with repentance. The second thing we need is the power of the Holy Spirit to represent him to the world. Why? Because there is a kingdom of darkness. There is a kingdom of darkness that is advancing in the world that when we confront it, we have the power to push back, to push back the darkness. We can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. Belief is not enough. Good morals are not enough. To become fully awake, to live the life that God has for you and I, that's why we're here. We want to live the life. We want to discover that life, live the life he has for us, become fully awake. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Apostle Paul, nobody can outdo this. To this day, no one can outdo the Apostle Paul in creating a message of the glory of Christ, of, a, of a painting the picture of the plan of salvation. No one could put together a more eloquent sermon than the Apostle Paul, and yet here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, My message and my preaching were not wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. This Apostle Paul, who penned half of our New Testament in the most beautiful and eloquent ways we can imagine, he says, I didn't come just with persuasive words, but with a demonstration of power. That way your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but in God's power. It's not optional because we need to experience that power for ourselves because if we don't, our faith is only built on our own human wisdom. 
We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is speaking from experience here. Paul is writing this letter. He's speaking from experience because you see the, the story of Paul is that he was a, before he was converted to the way, he was a Pharisee. He's a Jewish religious leader. He was very educated. He had a lot of influence. He was actually leading a group going around wrangling up Christians and putting them to death and locking them up. And then he encountered Jesus. Acts chapter 9. Paul was on his way to Damascus to get more legal permission to, con- to, to continue persecuting Christians. And he encounters Christ. Christ knocks him off his horse. There's a blinding light, and Paul's like, whoa, who who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go in the city. Get up and go in the city, and and you'll be told what to do. Verse 8, Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He's blind. He's not sure what just happened, but he said, okay, this, this blinding light told me to go in the city and wait. And he remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. You see, Paul was already blind before he encountered Christ. On the road to Damascus to get more legal permission to keep persecuting Christians, Paul was already blind. He could not see who Christ was. And then his close proximity to Jesus just revealed what his problem was. You see, the closer he was to Jesus, he was spiritually blind, but his encounter with Christ just caused his internal sin to manifest in a, in a physical way. So he was spiritually blind to who Christ was, and now he's, he's physically blind. For three days, he's in Damascus, and he's waiting for what's supposed to happen next. And in the meantime, the Lord is speaking to a man named Ananias in the city of Damascus. He says, Ananias, there's a, there's a man named Paul. Oh, I've heard about him, Lord. He's the one that's rounding us up and putting us in prison and killing us. Go to him, minister to him, lay hands on him, pray for him that he may be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul is just in a house on Straight Street, is what the Bible tells us. He's laid up in bed. He's not sure what's supposed to happen next. Meanwhile, the Lord is working it out. He doesn't know, Paul doesn't really know what's going on. Much like Peter wandering through the prison, Paul's laid up blind, not sure what's going to happen next. Ananias, this, this bold man, follows the command of the Lord. Verse 17, he went and he found Saul, who would later become Paul. And he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly when Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, something like scales fell from his eyes. He was healed from his blindness, regained his sight. He got up and was baptized. Paul's internal sin was keeping him from seeing who Christ was. And in that moment when Ananias showed up and said, it was Jesus that you saw on the road. It's Jesus who has sent me and he wants you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And scales, just like those chains fell off of Peter, scales fall off of Paul's eyes. And he's baptized in Jesus' name. And he's saying, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with what I was doing I'm done with my, my plan to, to round these people up, and now I'm going to join them. I'm going to leave what I was doing, and I'm going to follow this. Will you please stand with me? And the team can, can come back. I hope this has made sense. I'm sorry if I seem a little scattered.
this morning. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. You see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking this, speaking this message to you. I'm speaking this message to you, this series to you, because God is calling for us to awaken. Because God has a life for us. God has a plan for us. God has a purpose for you, for me, and for this church. God wants this church to be a beacon of hope for people and to be a beacon of hope for you. And this church is going to be a place where, where people that are lost can come to know God in a real, personal way. Where they can find freedom from their sin. Where they can discover, where they can see, this is the life he has for me. And live that life so that together we can continue that process of finding people, leading them out of the cell, into the city. Into the city. It's a process. It's a process for all of us. And I'm hoping, this is what I'm hoping, friends, this is what I'm hoping. That this series is a challenge. I, I, it's a challenge. And y'all, y'all have heard me preach, you know that I, I like to challenge you a little bit. And what I'm challenging you to do is just to to trust that God has the best life for you. To trust that you don't have to be scared about anything that he wants to give you. You don't have to be frightened. You don't have to be apprehensive. That God has a a process for you. you. If you're stuck in the same cycles... If you feel defeated constantly and you're wondering why you can't make, make progress, you're wondering why God hasn't done what you, you thought he was going to do yet, are you, are you still going through the process? Or are you saying, no, that's off limits for me. That makes me uncomfortable. I'm not willing to go that far. I, I'm not willing to give up these things. I like church. I like the music. I like the people. I like the way I feel good in the moment. But I'm never really going to surrender my heart. I'm not going to take that next step because it just seems a little weird to me. Next week, we're going to talk about holiness. Next week, we're going to talk about sanctification. You want to know where this is going, where this series is going? You want to know what this process looks like of being fully awake? It's first repentance saying, your way is best. I'm leaving this stuff. I'm following you. And as I follow you, I can't do it on my own. So I need the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms my heart and gives me the power of Christ to represent him in the world. And then we're going to talk about holiness, which means we're setting ourselves apart from the world. Maybe that word's got some baggage for you. It doesn't have to. We're not, we're not, talking, about, we're not talking about all the, the baggage you might have of, of a clothes and dress. We're talking about setting ourselves apart, setting our minds apart, setting our hearts apart, setting our hands apart, making them holy so that God can use us. Where is it all leading? Week four is all about evangelism, missions, and serving. See, you go through this process. You become fully awake and you understand who God is and the call that he has on you as his follower. Then you can be out in the city. Because in the city, there's still some danger. And in the city, there's also lost and broken people. In the city is where there is need. In the city is where there is darkness. In the city is where there are problems. And God needed Peter out of the cell, out of the prison, in the city. He needs you and I out of the cell, out of the prison, in the city, to be his hands 
and feet. And if we're gonna do that, we gotta live a lifestyle of repentance. We gotta be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to be separated unto God so that we can do his work. That's where this series is going. Someone today still has the scales on their eyes. Someone today is still standing in the cell hearing the call, follow me. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to those things. Follow me. Come on. Don't stay in the cell because the guards are going to wake up. Don't stick around too long because those things that you keep falling back into, they're going to wake up. They're going to slap the cuffs right back on you. Follow me. Follow me past this guard post and follow me past this danger and follow me past the enemy that's waiting to pounce on you here. Follow me through the gate so that you can get out into the city and you can realize, look what God was doing the whole time. Now I understand. Now I understand, like Peter was saying, now I can see what God was doing. Now that I am here in my purpose, now that I am here where God is calling me to be, now I can see. Today, somebody needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask our prayer team at Friendswood, prayer team at the back of the auditorium there in Friendswood, at Houston, like our prayer team, I want the altar open, but prayer team, if you would, over on the baptistry, kind of make an L shape over there by the baptistry. Same thing along this wall. Let's kind of come there at the end of the stage and make an L there. Our prayer team is available. If there are things that you need to partner with people in prayer, if you need healing in your body, listen, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have sickness today? Do you have physical sickness? Do you have physical ailment? The power of the Holy Spirit can heal you. Do you have addictions that you've been carrying for years that you don't know how you're ever going to get out of? The power of the Holy Spirit can free you today. These are not words I'm saying. This is what's told in Scripture that your life can be transformed in a moment. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the team is going to sing. This altar is open. And I'm calling everybody to the altar. Whether you need prayer with our prayer team, At Friendswood, maybe you need prayer at the back of the auditorium. Our team is there. Friendswood, that altar area is open there as well. When I make the call, what we're going to do is we're going to seek Christ and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to have any reservations. I'm not going to have any barriers. I'm willing to follow you. I repent of these things. Lord, just have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. And when I I make this call... I hope there are some believers that know what I'm talking about that have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that are willing to say, yes, this is the best way. This is the best thing. Don't be scared. I'm hoping even now, Friendswood, Houston, would you just fill this altar? Would you fill this altar? Can we just seek God together? Come on, Houston. Come on, Friendswood. Let's fill this altar area and let's seek God. Let's ask God to pour out his Holy Spirit because if we are going to be fully awake, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So the team is going to sing. We're going to go and worship. I'm going to pray for you. And as soon as I'm done praying, friends with team has it. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I thank you that you come to the dungeon. You come to the prison. You come to the cell. You find us when we're asleep. You find us when we're bound. And you say, awaken and follow me. God, we want to live the life you have created us to live. We want to live a life full of the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms our hearts and gives us the power we need to spread the gospel, to build your kingdom. We want to be fully awake. And Lord, if you have promised this to us, if this is a gift you have for us, then it's nothing we should be afraid of. I pray right now for everyone who might have apprehension in their minds, that instead that apprehension would be replaced with peace, with peace 
with joy, with love, with anticipation, with expectation, with a willingness, a willing heart that says, wherever you're, you're calling, Lord, I will follow. Wherever you're going, Lord, I will go. Uh, I don't want to go to the left or to the right. I don't want to try to go my own way. But if you're calling me, I'm going to follow. My heart is open to you, Lord. My heart is yours, Lord. You are the king of my life. And as the king of my life, you have every part of me. Every part of me, God, those parts that I keep hidden, those, those parts that I keep secret, you can have them. I'm done with them. Give me the power to overcome them. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to live the way you've called me to live. I can't do it with my own power. I can't do it with my own strength, Lord. But fo I'm following you. I want to go where you're going, God. And I know this is what you have for me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.